You may be seated, and we're going to look briefly at our theme scripture, which is 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. And the scripture says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So we're teaching a series of lessons on the subject of righteousness, and uh, we're looking at the foundation scriptures. Uh, it's important for us to know uh, the Word of God and be founded in the Word of God in order to be able to walk in the light of the truth. Praise the Lord. So, again, in this verse, he says, for he, speaking of God, for he, God, hath made him Speaking of Jesus, he, God, has made Jesus to be sin for us. The phrase for us is uh, substitutionary language, meaning uh, that Jesus was our substitute. And where he was made sin was on the cross. God laid on him, the scripture says in Isaiah, God laid on him the iniquity of us all. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What an amazing thing. That God would send his son to the earth. Sinless son. Remember this verse says. He who knew no sin. God made to be sin. So Jesus had no sin of his own. He was sinless. He was spotless, the scripture says. He was without blemish. And so he was pure in every aspect. He was God manifest in the flesh. Became man. He took on a flesh and blood body, according to Hebrews 2. So he lived as a man. He was referred to in Timothy as the man Christ Jesus. He was God and yet he was man. So he was a man Christ Jesus, the mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So Jesus being God manifest in the flesh according to John 1. He then also was man. And he lived as a man and was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. So he was sinless. And so this sinless man was the only one who could qualify as substitute. Because there's no other man that was sinless. Jesus was the only sinless one. Because the scripture says in Romans 3, all have sinned and what? Come short of the glory of God. Or failed to measure up to the standard of righteousness. And so, everyone was in the same boat or in the same ship. And the ship was sinking. And it did sink. So, really, Adam sunk the whole human race. In his one act of sin or disobedience, God identified us with Adam. 
being the first man. And so Adam's sin affected the whole human race. But thank God, Jesus' one act of righteousness and obedience has affected you and me and has affected the whole human race. And anyone can come and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and receive this gift of eternal life and this gift of righteousness. So he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us in our stead, in our place, as our substitute on the cross. When he hung there, he became our sin. So when he was made our sin, one translation says, God made him share our sin, that in union with him we could share his righteousness. Now think with me now. Another translation says that we would be recipients, this is by faith, be recipients of God's righteousness. So we have been made recipients. We have received. We are sharing in this righteousness. This is the righteousness of God that you might be made. He was made sin. He was literally made your sin. Suffered for your sin, and then you are made his righteousness. I call that the great exchange. And we're on the uh, receiving end of that. And really, that is a winning edge, isn't it? Because you actually become God's righteousness, and you become the righteousness of God where? In Christ. Or in union with him. So the moment you are in him is the moment that you become the righteousness of God. Are you with me? All right. Still in review, go with me to Romans chapter 10, please. Romans chapter 10. Now, we gave you a a quote from W.E. Vines. And you'll hear it uh, throughout this series. I want it to become a part of you. W. Vine said, The man who trusts in Christ becomes the righteousness of God in him. The man or woman or person who trusts in Christ becomes the righteousness of God in him. Becomes in Christ all that God requires a man to be and all that he could never be in himself. He becomes in Christ all that God requires a man or a woman, a person to be, and all that they could never be in themselves. So the Holy Spirit spoke it to me this way. True humility is when you acknowledge that it is absolutely nothing that you have done that makes you righteous. True humility is when you acknowledge that it is absolutely nothing that you have done that makes you righteous. Or maybe we could say nothing that you haven't done that makes you unrighteous. Because the devil will work on you one way or the other. You didn't do. You should have done. You did do. Look what you did do. See what you've done. And while he's working on you, you need to say, uh, let me read the Bible to you. (laughs) 
And so, let me read some scripture to you. And then you just get the word of God out and start saying, He who knew no sin was made to be sin that we might be, that I might be, and put yourself in the verse. Amen. Because you have to identify with the verse. You have to see that you're in the verse. Why are you in the verse? Because you're in Christ. You're in that verse. You're not somewhere out here hoping you can find some right relationship with God. No, you're in the verse. You're in Him. You're in union with Him. And you become the righteousness of God in Him. He becomes in Christ all that God requires a man to be and all that he could never be in himself. So true humility is when you acknowledge that it is absolutely nothing that you have done that makes you righteous. You become the righteousness of God by faith in Jesus Christ and the shedding of his blood. It is his blood plus nothing. Minus nothing. It is the blood of Jesus that cleanses you. It is the blood of Jesus that makes you righteous. Hallelujah. So think about what righteousness is. Again, I'm going to say it again. The man who trusts in Christ becomes the righteousness of God in him. He becomes in Christ all that God requires a man to be and all that he could never be in himself. So all of your self-effort would never enable you to measure up to God's standard of righteousness. So thank God he did it for you. (laughs) So you're in Romans 10 by now. And I'm just going to this time go to verse 8. But what saith it, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So Paul had preached the gospel. They had heard the gospel. Or verse 17. So then faith cometh by what? Hearing and what? Hearing by the word of God. Verse 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So when you hear the gospel and you believe the gospel and you confess Jesus as Lord with your mouth, then salvation comes to your life. All right, again. Says in verse 8, what saith he at the word is nigh thee, it's near you, it's even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So they've heard the gospel, believed it. He said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus or confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. He says, Thou shalt be- and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. What is it that you do? You believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. All right. Well, Jesus had to have died in order to be him raised. And when he died, he died for you and paid the penalty for your sin, shed his blood so that you could come to God. We have, according to Hebrews chapter uh, 10, verse 19, it says we have access into his presence by the blood of Jesus. Access. You have immediate access into the immediate presence of God by the blood of Jesus. Because you've been made righteous through his blood. 
Now, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. So, how many saved people do we have in the house? Praise God. Saved. All right. Verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Notice in this phrase, he says, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Notice in this phrase, there's no uh, additional things. God didn't make a list of things that you must do in order to become righteous. He said, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. One qualification. Now... Religion adds all kinds of lists. Does it not? Do we not sometimes add little lists? Sometimes long lists? If you're having trouble with coming up with one, I will uh, let you know the devil will help you with your list. But there's one qualification according to the Bible, according to the Word of God. New Testament, we're talking. One qualification. Now, we understand there's fruit of righteousness. We understand there's acts of righteousness. And and we'll get to that. But if you don't get this part, you'll always be struggling. And in Christ, takes the struggle out and puts the strength in. And so here in this verse, he says, With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So when you believed on Jesus, you became righteous. And you believed on Jesus, and the moment you did, you became righteous that very moment. Because he said you believe unto righteousness. So your believing is what made you righteous. Will everybody agree with the Bible? With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth On him shall not be ashamed. So then, righteousness removes the shame. Wow. And now we'll say, in addition, righteousness consciousness removes the shame. In other words, you're not just to get saved, get born again, and receive eternal life as a gift, by the way. You receive eternal life as a gift. You receive salvation as a gift. You receive righteousness as well as a gift. But we don't want to just get saved and not really live in the light of that reality. We don't want to just receive eternal life and not really live in the light of that reality. We don't want to just be made righteous. When I was born again, I didn't know I was righteous. No one told me I was righteous. No one but even approach the subject. If you've been in this church, you probably have heard it. But you know, even with all the different messages that we preach, 
It has to come around again because if you don't preach it again, people will forget. Right? Or sometimes just let things slip. And so you need to hear it again, and faith comes by hearing. And in order to live with a righteousness consciousness, in order for you to live in the light of it, you have to be conscious of it. Hallelujah. To be conscious of it, there has to be some meditation upon it. (laughs) There has to be some hearing of it. And so... You believe unto righteousness. Go with me to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. We're going to begin with verse 7. Ephesians 2 and verse 7. says, That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Now, In the language, you're going to see these uh, words in him, by him, with him, through him. In this one verse, he says, In the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. What is grace? It's God's riches at Christ's expense. He paid the debt. You get the riches, you get the blessings. In the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. There is exceeding riches. Not just financial riches, which is also included, but the riches of his grace covers everything that you would ever think of or anything you didn't think of. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we even ask or think. So God is at work in his grace to get things to us. Revelation to us. Truth light to us. That he might show the exceeding riches. He doesn't want us blind. The scripture says, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of those that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ should shine unto them. But understand, the devil can sneak in and start blinding your mind. He's a liar. He's a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So he sometimes slithers in and tries to, like a snake, a serpent, and tries to bite you or poison you. And he starts in your mind, in your thought life. So you got to shut him down. And there's only one way to shut the devil down, and that is with the Word of God. And when he comes... Talking to you about what you are not and who you are not. You've got 130 scriptures in the New Testament that tell you who you are. You need to get the word of God out and rehearse and review and go over and over again what 
the scripture says that you are and who the scripture says that you are. Because what the scripture says you are is what God says you are. And if God says you're righteous, then you're righteous. If God says you're the righteousness of God, then you're the righteousness of God. God wants to show you the exceeding riches of his grace. And the spirit of God is the Holy Spirit. And he is the spirit of truth and he'll never tell you a lie he'll never lead you astray he's always going to lead you right to the word of God and what does the word of God say it says that you are righteous when the devil says look what you did you say ah you might want to think about what you did There's no redemption for what you did, but there's redemption for what I did. Jesus' blood was shed 2,000 years ago. What I did is now under the blood because I've confessed my sin, and God is faithful and just to forgive my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And if he brings up your past, you need to say, that's been under the blood a long time. Hallelujah. That's been washed by the blood a long time. That is in the depths of the sea according to the scripture in Micah hallelujah it is in the sea in the depths of the sea in other words I'm not going deep sea fishing praise God so you've got to let go of the past and you've got to let go of the things that the devil says you did you did then you did like yesterday well the blood of Jesus is still operative It's still speaking from heaven today. It's not just a yesterday thing or a last year thing or 20 years ago thing. It is an everyday thing. The blood of Jesus cleanses us, washes us, purges us from every dead work. Hallelujah. That in the ages to come, and here we are in the ages now. But there's still ages to come and we're going to continually be seeing. He might show us, reveal to us the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us. How? Through Christ. It is either in him, through him, by him, with him. It all came from him. It's all connected to him. Once you disconnect from Jesus, you're disconnected from eternal life. But you, you know, you could have eternal life and not live in the consciousness of it. Hallelujah to Jesus. But we want to live not only saved, we want to live with the consciousness of our salvation. We don't want to just be righteous in the sense of being righteous. We want to know that we are righteous. Because that's what makes the difference. Hallelujah. Verse 8. For by grace are you saved. For by grace are you saved how? Through faith. Simple faith. Simple believing. Is what made you righteous. Simple believing, faith in God is what makes you saved. For by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves. Oh, 
that not of yourselves. You didn't do it. Your efforts, your works didn't do it. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Instead of that letting the air out of your balloon, that ought to pump your balloon up. Because the devil will either tell you what you didn't do, what you should have done. And you know you should have done that. And you didn't do that. Or he'll tell you what you did do and he'll try to get you to rehearse that and go over and 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 over. You just need to add one little word to that. Over and out. Get out. Hallelujah to Jesus. But you got to say something. You got to say something about your salvation. You got to say something about your righteousness. You got to. This is not bragging. You're not boasting on what you did. You couldn't do it. Everything God required a man to be and everything you could never be in yourself. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So if you're keeping records, in other words, if you're just keeping all the records of all your good deeds and depending on that, thank God for all the good deeds. I'm not opposed to the good deeds. I'm just saying you're not righteous because of them. I am thrilled that you've done good things. God is happy that you do good works. But he's not happy for you to depend on them for your righteousness. Your righteousness, the scripture says, your righteousness is as filthy rags. So on your best day, It's going to take the blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a lot of good what we could say are good people, but God says there's none good but God. But what people would call good people, but that doesn't mean they're going to heaven. They're nice people. They may even be a good neighbor. Right? But salvation is a gift. It's not of works. Lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship. Ah, we are what? We're his workmanship. We're God's workmanship, and we're created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We are the workmanship of God, handiwork of God, other translations say. We are, one translation says, we are God's masterpiece. Hallelujah. How would, how would, how would you feel if your husband told you, you're like a masterpiece. You are amazing. 
You're, you're my treasure. That's the way the Father feels. You're like a treasure. You're like my masterpiece. I've created you. You are, one translation says, you are my work of art. In other words, you are designed by me. And not only designed, but signed. Signed by the blood of Jesus. God put his signature on you. You are blameless, without shame before God. I mean, this is amazing grace. This is beyond amazing what you could even describe as amazing. This is God making a whole new creation out of you, making you his own workmanship, his own handiwork. He designed you. You're by God's design. And he says, we are his workmanship created. Where? In Christ. So whatever he did in Christ, he did in you. Whatever he did in Christ, he did in you. You are the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus. Created in Christ Jesus, what? Unto good works. So good works are part of Christianity. But many times Christianity is communicated with the cart before the horse. The cart goes behind the horse. What pulls the cart is the horse's power. What propels you in Christianity is the power of who you are in Christ. When you lose focus of that, then the devil will whip you every time. But when you gain your focus, the devil can't win. I say when you gain your focus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what is your focus in him, on him? There's flaws in everybody. If you're looking for some flawless person before you're going to say, you are amazing, you're awesome, you're wonderful, you are loved, you are treasured. If you're looking for a, a flawless person, the only flawless part of you is what God made in Christ. Hallelujah. Your spirit is flawless. Your inward man is flawless. That's why it's without shame, without blame, without guilt. E.W. Kenyon said, righteousness gives you the ability to stand in the presence of God without a sense of sin, guilt, condemnation, or inferiority. That's where you ought to stand. That's the way you ought to stand. That's the posture with which you ought to stand. Hallelujah. And having done all to stand, stand. Hallelujah. Is anybody getting any help? So I'm going to read you verse 11. 
God has before ordained that you should walk in these good works, right? God planned for you to walk in these good works. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, I'm in the red. What does that mean? My time is up. How many ever watched Fred Price on, you know, Fred Price has moved to heaven. He left a great heritage. But Fred Price used to uh, be teaching along. He'd be teaching the word and he would stop. <laughs> He's a very disciplined man. He was, that was his, very much his personality. He was a very disciplined man. So he would stop right on the clock. It didn't matter if it was in the middle of the sentence. Charles used to attend church there, right, Charles? It didn't matter if he was in the middle of the sentence. He just stopped. The clock said stop. I'm not quite, the, I'm not quite that disciplined. Uh, I'm 225 over, 226, 228, 229, 230. Oh, pretty disciplined, but not quite that disciplined. How many got something today? Hallelujah. We're on a mission. I'm on a mission to erase condemnation. Hallelujah. Eliminate shame. 